1: Welcome into the Alana Enquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner and Isaac Trotter live in San Francisco. We're actually at the Hyatt Regency, and we found this little nook where it's nice and quiet. We could record this podcast. Looking at the Ferry Building, uh, if we looked out, we'd see the Bay. After that, uh, it's been a good time so far in San Francisco. And we'll break down the Red Box Bowl. And at the end of this podcast, we're actually going to include a big chunk of uh, the podcast we held with Brian Barnhart, Doug Bouchon. Uh, we had that at the great uh, San Francisco barrier. Bay Area Illini Club and thanks to Kyle for for having us out there it was a great time and and some of the stories of Brian Barnhart were fantastic it was great talking with him but we break down a lot including basketball football so we're just going to put that at the end of the pod for anybody who'd like to listen to it uh thanks to Ed Bond for setting all that up and recording it so we really appreciate him doing that but Isaac Trotter we're at a bull. who to have thunk it Right? Who would have thought we'd actually be here? What's the bowl experience been like for you so far, man?
0: Who would have thought? You know, no, not me. You know what I mean? Like that, I feel like that's like the, the, the video or maybe for this entire football, for, for this entire Illinois football fan base. But this has been really fun. I got in yesterday, and we've gotten to do some really cool things. I like being here at the hotel because you see the players are here. You see all of the fan the fans are here. The parents are here. The coaches are here. And there's just a good mood around this team. And, and I think that that's really fun to observe and see. And I I think it's good for them. And so personally, it's fun because there's been some really cool stories that we've been able to do. I'm so excited for tomorrow. I think that it'll be really fun to see this team on a big stage. get to do some cool things, and we get to cover it. We're going to be there all day long. It's just just one of those environments that you can't go wrong. You're never going to have negative vibes around a team when you head into a, a bowl game. And I want that to continue, and I hope that this little taste is one of those things that can really set this team up for the future and go, okay, we want to do this more, we got to get to do this more, and we have to have to do everything it takes to make sure this happens time and time again.
1: After that Northwestern game, it felt like a lot of fans thought that that ruined the season, And, and you and I talked about it afterwards, like, well, once you get to a bowl game, though, and you know the destination it's still going to be a celebration and that's exactly what it's turned out to be is you see the fan base here you see the pep rally today with the band and all that and and fans enjoying this and and to be honest with you the most is the players are really enjoying this and sometimes the bowl experience seems like a sell of why all the people who make so much money off bowls all the corporate sponsors want to keep this but there is a great bowl experience for these players going to Alcatraz a lot of kids this is the farthest they've been away from home This is one of the nicest hotels they've Ever been in. Uh, they get to see Alcatraz, they get to go to an NBA game. Jamal Wood said it's the first NBA game he's ever been to, going to a Golden State Warriors game. Uh, and then they, they obviously had the event at St. Anthony's, which even me just being there is an eye opener about how blessed we are. And it kind of contrasted, as Cale Griffin told me about. Everything they're doing this week, and then they see the plight of all these people, and they get to help and, and put some smiles on their faces. It's been a, a really cool event. And I really think of the guys like Reggie Corbin and Dre Brown and Justice Williams and all those guys who have been here for so long, four or five years, and it's been mostly negativity. To have them kind of end their careers here is great, no matter if they win or lose. But if they win – they got to feel really good about how they go out on this. And we'll break down the game, but just the, the experience for those guys specifically has been great. And then for the younger guys, just for this to be the expectation and to, and to know how much work goes into getting here and how hard winning is, I think this is an important experience for everybody.
0: Yeah, the sentimental value of the, the seniors is, is really the, the story. But I'm more focused on the younger guys and how this, this affects the team moving forward because that's awesome. And, and I loved Reggie, Reggie and I loved Dre Brown and Daley Harding's had a magnificent senior year. But they're gone after this season. And I feel like they might be a little jealous of of these freshmen who are getting to, this is the first year that they get to to be a part of this. And now it sets the table for the future. And everybody who's coming back from this program has said that this is not the goal. This is a step in the right direction toward a goal, and, and I like that. I like that mindset of it. So it's good to get this taste, but I really hope that this is one of those things that really Illinois can springboard and use. Yes. Instead of having times in the past where you win seven games and then you go back to four, and then you win nine games and go to the Rose Bowl in 2007, and then in 2008 you're not bowl eligible. I, I really hope that this is a – ascending type of program instead of just a, this is a blip of the radar. Hey, remember when we got lucky and came back against Michigan State? Hey, remember when we got lucky and found a way to win against Wisconsin and we got to go to a bowl game? I don't want that to be the one remembrance of this Lovey Smith era. I hope this is the first step and I think this younger crew is buying into that mindset too. Uh,
1: I got out here on Friday morning and I feel like I've been here for a week. (laughs) How much we've kind of squeezed in this entire thing. I mean I did the bowl press conference uh, then we rode and I hung out with Joey Wagner from uh, Decatur Herald Review and, and Brett Barons, and we went and got some Jack in the Box, or not Jack in the Box, uh, in and out Burger uh, and I got some Clam Chowder and then I go to the basketball game, um, the team went to Alcatraz, then do the St. Anthony thing, you and I went to Oracle Park um, today which was awesome, uh, I It's great that they got to a great city. Like, even if people were to complain about New York and the weather, even though the weather ended up great, there's a lot to see, there's a lot to do. I was thinking Jacksonville is a better destination for the bowl game. But boy, we've had a lot to do. The players have had a lot to do since they've been here because it's a huge city with so much to see.
0: Yeah, we're busy. There's always something to do, and I think that we're all, we're seeing new things. And I just I'm so happy we weren't in Detroit the day after Christmas. Like it's okay to be greedy a little. That would
1: have been a day trip, right? Like you sure. you just gotten up there the day of, and that's. It.
0: Yeah, and it's fun, and it's it's fun for us too because we get to do stuff together and have some fun <laughs> together and, and and meet up with all of our friends. And it's just it's just a, this is a really enjoyable experience. And if you haven't gotten the chance to go come out and experience a bowl game or experience the, the, the parts of it. This is my first time. It's my first time. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, so the, I, I'm a rookie at this. I've, so there's plenty of other people that are probably way more veterans on, on what a bowl game is like. But if you haven't got to experience it, I would totally do it. I got here yesterday. I've been here just over 30 hours. <laughs> and I feel like it's been like – and then I'm looking down today and going, wait, the game's tomorrow? Like, it just, that's how crazy it's been.
1: Yeah, and, yeah, we got a game to cover tomorrow. It's going to be good. All right, when we come back, let's talk a little bit about that game and what we think of this matchup and what Illinois has going into it. That's next.
0: Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international
1: bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very
0: careful. You are still a prisoner here.
2: Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is
0: still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.
1: All right, well, we do know Brandon Peters will be available for Illinois, and just that is going to make a huge difference. Now, the weapons he will have is very concerning, because we've seen Josh from Baby around here. Uh, It doesn't look like he's a full goer, that he's fully healthy, and I I would qualify him as doubtful. Um, Caleb Bream's status is a little bit in the air, so... You were looking over the wide receivers, Isaac, and if it's Donnie Navarro, Casey Washington, Trenard Davis, is that, is that your three starters at wide receiver? And, I mean, I'd, I'd rather have Brandon Peters in that wide receiver group, right? I mean, but um, that's a big concern going into this game because we've seen all these teams stack the box against Reggie Corbin and Dre Brown, and is your running offense going to be as good without Doug Kramer in this game? Jake Cerny is going to get the start at guard. Kendrick Green goes inside at center. Um, I think the defense can do fine. I think the defense needs to get takeaways and and probably score at some point because the offense uh, has huge question marks in that passing game.
0: Huge question marks. And you're talking about four wide receivers that are probably eligible to play. I mean, you think of guys like Kyron Cumbie. He's got his red shirt is used up. You don't want to
1: use it. Okay. All right. Let's do the thought exercise. Would you burn it for this game? No, no, <laughs> I agree.
0: No, so you and you want to keep that guy long term. A fifth year of Kyron Cumby is much more valuable than one game or maybe one catch for eight yards tomorrow against. I you.
1: would think so. Yes. Yeah. So that's my
0: <laughs> that's how I view view things. But maybe maybe the Illinois coaching staff thinks differently. But then if this happens, you're talking about how this Illinois coaching staff needs to get creative. How do they do this? How do you how do you stretch the field? Well, one, you start with Daniel Barker, the tight end needs to get more playing time and he needs to see more usage in the passing game. He is really, really solid, probably one of your most underrated pass catchers this year. He has great hands. You never see him really put a ball on the ground throughout this year, so he needs to play more. And then you see some of these running backs need to get on the field more. Jakari Norwood could absolutely see the field tomorrow. I think Dre Brown could use a lot more time in the slot. And listen, Trenard Davis hasn't done much this year, but that doesn't take away from the fact that he was a proven pass catcher. He might not be explosive, but he did have 30 catches last year, averaged about nine yards a catch.
1: And I think Dominic Stampley will be back.
0: Yeah, um, I – I'm not sure of his status. He hasn't been doing much for the last month of the, of the season, and when we were at practice, we never really saw him coming off the field. So uh, we're not sure on his status at all. And even if he does play, it's tough to see what his impact would be because Navarro has taken all the snaps at the slot, and his been has been better. I'm just looking for any bodies, right? And, sure. and he's had
1: some performances, right? So, like, you're just looking for anybody that can play there. But I would imagine two tight end sets, and I think we'll see a lot of that next year with Luke Ford and Daniel Barker, so Justice Williams in his last game could play a bigger role there. But, yeah, I'm wondering, I thought this year we'd see more Reggie Corbin and Dre Brown on the field together. I'm wondering if we see that. And to be honest with you, I think we might see Brandon run a little more tomorrow. We saw that a lot um, in the last game he played against Iowa when they were lacking wide receivers, uh, and Josh got a little bit nicked up in that game. So I'm wondering if we see that element of, of you know the offense, because they, they have to make – Cal guess a little bit and if they're just going to run pro style offense, which I don't see happening but if they're just going to run that, it's going to be really easy for Cal because even though their defensive backs are a little nicked up they still got the advantage
0: against Illinois' wide receiver crew. Absolutely. I mean, their secondary is really, really good. Their linebacker play has been awesome this year. Evan Weaver's the star of that. So you you have to mix things up. You cannot just go out with similar looks. And Rod Smith knows that. Rod Smith is smart. He's going to put himself in position. But a lot of people have talked throughout this year about how the Illinois offense has taken a severe step back, and I agree it has. But these injuries are really a big cause of concern. But it also tells you your depth isn't there yet, too. So you need to get your depth better, and you need to hope that next year, Guys like Ricky Smalling can stay healthy, Trayvon Sidney, Matabebe, stuff like that. Because if you don't have those guys, this Illinois offense's ceiling is very limited.
1: That's what makes it amazing about what they were doing with Ricky Smalling and Trayvon Sidney out. Right. Like and it's it's amazing that they're able to put up some points against some of these teams like Michigan State and Wisconsin with those guys out. So uh, but Brandon Peters is a big part of that. And to have him back is huge. All right. Defensively, um, you know, takeaways has been the story all season long when they they get a lot of takeaways when they score. Illinois is really, really good on that. end. I don't think Cal scares you. They don't have a lot of playmakers, but Chase Garbers, their quarterback, is back. And they have put up some points in recent weeks. They've won three of their last four games. I think they're averaging about 28 points during that that stretch. So they've been a lot better when Garbers has been in there. And you watched a little bit more of them, Isaac, than I have. I don't think
0: he's some star quarterback, but he's just effective and well-rounded. Yeah, like. that's, a, that's a really good way of saying it. He's just well-rounded. He is not some... Wow, stand out, look at this throw type of type of quarterback. But the numbers don't lie. When he plays and finish, starts and finishes a the game, they're 6-0. He, they average 25 points a game when he's on the field. When he's not playing, they average just 15.2 points a game. So you, when I watch their film, he does a good job of making you think a little bit more. He doesn't make spectacular throws, but he makes the right throws. And as those intermediate throws, he he makes good decisions. He has 10 touchdowns this year, to, I think just three interceptions. So he's not putting the ball in harm's way, which then... Then you also throw in the factor that he can run a little bit. And so that just – it just is one of those quarterbacks that doesn't make a ton of mistakes. He doesn't wow me on film. He reminds me a lot of Matt Robinson, like a lot of Matt Robinson. But he has like this innate he's, – he's a gamer too. He is – he does not go – I mean, down hard. I was watching – I watched about 27 minutes of their game against Washington today and – that Washington defense is so good, but they could not bring him down. He was a killer after yards after contact. I'd love to see the nerd stats on that. Well, and Andrew Marty
1: of Northwestern, he killed you by just those yards, yeah. that extra yard or two after contact, and Illinois not tackling. That really killed them.
0: Yeah, and, and they're different than Marty, because Marty's bigger, right. and Garbers is only six foot two and about 195 pounds, so it's a little different quarterback, but he's just wiry and sl- kind of slippery and slips away, so I think Illinois' de- defense should be just fine. They're, I I'm I'm not worried about Cal's offense being able to put 37 points up because, again, this Cal offense has been better in the last few weeks, but for the most part they've struggled to break 30 this year. So it really comes down to which which unit can you trust more, Illinois' offense or Cal's offense? And, and Cal's offense is much healthier than Illinois right now. I mean, you basically need to ugly this game up, right?
1: And, yeah. and you need to be able to take care of the ball, win the turnover margin. And I think for Illinois to do that, they haven't done it as well the last couple weeks, they got to get pressure on the quarterback, and they have no sacks over the last three games. And Oloy Batiku, who's healthy now, who's going to play, um, obviously he had a great start to the season. He's been working off the rust ever since that injury. They need him to be a factor. Uh, even if it's effort, sacks, things like that, they need him to be a factor because they just don't have another player like him. They need to put pressure on Garbers and they need to be able to contain him in the pocket. As you said, he can get out and run and, and create problems for you that way. So uh, I think that's really, really important for Illinois, especially when one of their best blitzers, Jake Hansen, we don't expect to play. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's key because I think the secondary is pretty good. I think the secondary, if you know the defensive line gets some pressure, the front seven gets some pressure, I think they can take advantage of Cal.
0: Yeah, completely agree. I mean, this, this Cal offense is, is... – it's not spectacular, but they don't hurt themselves. They they lead the country or they lead the Pac twelve in the least amount of turnovers. They they rarely turn the ball over. So those two, th- they they feel a lot like Illinois offense this year because especially against like Purdue, the big reason Illinois won that game and in the rain and in the, you know, the whatever, the, the worst elements I've ever seen for a football game was because they just don't turn the ball over. So this this Cal offense doesn't turn the ball over and they rely on their defense to put themselves in good position, which is just like what Illinois has done this year. So that's why I like this matchup for Illinois. It's very similar team. So if this is a game where, the, where it's 20 to 13 in, in late in the fourth quarter, you like Illinois' Illinois' chances because they found a way to close out some of these big-time games late in games. And I think they have this, a, a big advantage in special teams, too. So, I think that, that that's kind of where you look at this team right now. Cal's defense is a little bit better than Illinois'. Cal's offense is more healthier than Illinois'. But Illinois has a clear edge on special teams, and it could come down to that. Yeah.
1: All right. Uh, how important is this game? Yeah, I don't think it is. Well, I really yeah, I, th- I think in the long run, like, does this game mean that Illinois is going to – if they win? Does this mean, yep, they're going to win eight or nine games next year? I don't think so. Um, if they lose, like, does it mean they're not going to be as good next year? No, I, I don't think so. I do think it just feels better. It, when you have a winning season, right, for the first time since 2011, you'd feel better going to the off season. You'd feel a little bit more confident. The narrative changes a
0: little yeah, bit. Yeah, and I think
1: you know if you get a bowl win and you're part of the Big Ten that's been so good in bowl games here, um, I think that shows that you're taking steps forward. It's another – validation I guess of of this breakthrough season maybe fans would feel a win over Cal makes this season a little less fluky because there's still that thought with all the takeaways that the season was a little bit fluky in that way Um, I don't know if I completely look at it that way but I do think a win just makes you feel better. I think I don't know if it's gonna land you a different recruit. I don't think it's gonna land you a five star recruit if you win this game. I just think
0: it feels better, it feels validating that this season you continue to take steps forward. Yeah, completely agree. We're on the same page. I don't think any team wants to go into an off season on a three game losing streak, too. And and you could say, Wow, this season was so streaky one two, lost four, one four, lost three if you lose on Monday. So you just don't want to go into an off season losing three in a row. But and, and but then then again. Again, if you're 7-6, and you have a winning record for the first time since 2011. You're able to sell a bowl appearance and a bowl win, and you're able to say, hey, we won two games, we won four games, now we won seven, and next year we're going to try to win nine or ten. So I think the narrative around it, Changes with a win, and there are going to be some fans that make it a big deal if you win or lose that game and how they view this whole season. But for me personally, you've, this season's already been done. What happens I mean, tomorrow doesn't change what happened this year that you took a step forward and now you put yourself in position to take another step forward the next year.
1: I don't think a Red box Bowl win overtakes Michigan State or Wisconsin. No. Right? Like, no. Those are what we'll remember. And a Redbox Bowl loss doesn't invalidate Michigan State or Wisconsin. Right. I agree with you. Like, I think back to the 2011 season, um, I remember the six-game losing streak the most, not the Kraft fight Hunger Bowl. Like, that didn't change the narrative, right? 2010, I do think a Texas Bowl win over Robert Griffin III and Baylor made you feel better definitely going into the season, but I don't think that's what led to a 6-0 and start to the season, right? Like, I just think the team won that game right it was a good game you just want a competitive game tomorrow see how it, how it all ends up but if
0: they win you certainly feel good plus like these injuries really make it hard to judge this team like i even the this is a different team than it should be right now even the northwestern loss it was really hard for me to go you know scalding take oh my god the world is ending because yeah. you lost northwestern because you had so many guys out and you, those the guys that you had i mean jake hansen was the defensive mvp first through seven or eight weeks Josh matter has been your best playmaker this year and i don't think it's been that close so and it's as much as
1: as much as people seem to focus on the negative of Ricky Smalling like he is a legit Big 10 wideout who's one of the most productive of this decade for Illinois they miss him. Uh, they miss his blocking. They miss his ability to, to make big plays. Yes, he, he has some negatives. And Trayvon Sidney, just a guy that was one of the best wide receivers during training camp. They've missed him the last seven games of the season. I know everybody has injuries, but they've had, at wide out, just ridiculous amount of injuries. And finally, you have an offensive lineman that's going to miss a game due to injuries. They've been ridiculously fortunate with uh, injuries on the offensive line. And you're right. I think the Hanson injury goes underrated because that's your best playmaker. I know Dele Harding's had a great year and deserves all the accolades. But you're right. At one point this season,
0: Jake Hansen was the team MVP. Yeah, and he's the heart and soul of that defense. And I think he still is. I, I, I really do think he still is. So, uh, overall, I think this team has done what they needed to do this year to prove to everyone else that they are clearly better than what they were last year. And now they have momentum heading into the offseason. A win tomorrow certainly helps that. A loss, I don't think, kills that.
1: All right, when we come back, if you want to, we're going to play our – whole podcast that we had as part of the San Francisco Bay Area Illini Club event uh, on Saturday afternoon. It was great. It was Brian Barnhart, the voice of the Illini, Doug Bouchon from Orange and Isaac and I talking Illinois football, talking Red Box Bowl, talking the future of Illinois football, talking a little recruiting, and Illinois basketball. We got in it all, so enjoy that. That's coming up next. Well, thanks to Kyle, and thanks to everybody for showing up. Um, It's a heck of a trip. For me, it's my first bowl trip. Uh, It's been a while since Illinois has been on one, so uh, it's a a pleasure to be out here, and uh, good to see all you Illini fans here uh, celebrating with your team, and we'll see what happens on Monday, but should be a a very good game. I'll I'll just introduce everybody Kyle just kind of did, but Doug Bruchon, Rivals.com, Isaac and I, at least Isaac for a couple more days for 24-7 Sports, and uh, Brian Barnhart uh, has the best voice up here, and you guys all (laughs) know him. Uh, the voice of the Illini, I, I kind of wanted to leave it open to you guys, and we'll chat a little bit uh, about, you know, what our careers are and, and, and covering this team, but Brian, I, I know the guy to my left grew up saying I want to be the next Brian Barnhart. <laughs> funny how uh, it works. Wow, am I really that old? <laughs> I guess so. I, I mean, w- what's it like, Brian, just being you know, the voice of the Illini? You are the voice of the Illini. To, to know that your time here... You know, you've left an indelible mark on on people and their consumption of Illinois athletics.
3: Well, first of all, thank you for saying that. I, I can tell you that um, I grew up in Tolono, just south of Champaign, so I used to listen to the games. And, and you have to—you guys are young enough uh, that all of the games are on TV now. I mean, they were all over the place. But the years ago when I was growing up, this sounds like I'm an old man, but on radio is how you connected to the team. That's how you followed the team, and so. Guys like Larry Stewart and Jim Turpin became the eyes and ears of me as a young Illini fan when I couldn't go to the games growing up on a farm south of Champaign. So, to, you know, my career, you know, I went to school at Liberty University, uh, which as of the other day was still undefeated in basketball, I think, and, and won a bowl game, but went away there to school and kind of was going to be a history major, and I fell into broadcasting, uh, met a couple of guys who were interested in going that direction. I kind of helped them out. And the next thing you know, I'm like calling my parents saying, "Um, I'm not doing history anymore. I'm going to do this radio thing. And they're like, you want to do what? Because I was very introverted and very shy, and it was hard for me to uh, talk to people on a regular basis. But I kind of liked radio because I could be behind a glass or behind something, and people couldn't see you, but they could hear you. And I got confidence from it, and it kind of went from there. And then I wound up in minor league baseball and Eventually in Major League Baseball with the uh, Anaheim Angels. Did their games out here on the coast for a couple of years. Uh, then went back home, and Jim Turpin retired. And as it turned out, a year or two later, I took over the games. And here it is, whatever, 18 years later, <laughs> doing the games. But it, it uh, people ask me, what's it like doing the games like you just did? But I'm a fan, too. Yeah, I grew up a fan. This is my team. And so I could do the anaheim angels but i didn't grow up there i mean i knew about the team and i could learn about them but for me illinois is personal yeah. because i was a fan and now here it is doing the games too on top of that
1: i'm sure you get this all the time do you have a favorite call that you've ever made of yours
3: <laughs> well favorite call i would have to think about um i would say probably the darren williams uh three ball to tie the game against arizona with what was at stake the Elite Eight game in Chicago, the noise, the crowd, there are still sensations that I think about. Uh, when I go back and listen to it, I still can feel the chill uh, in, the, in the arena. It was so cold and it was so loud and it was such a joy to call that game. That is probably my number one moment and I would say in that game that Aaron Williams shot. Uh,
1: I want to ask you too about this football season. You had some Thrilling moments. James McCord, obviously, with the, the win over Wisconsin, and, and then Eastern, or the Michigan State game was just phenomenal, the way that game ended. Do you have in your mind what you want to say before that, or do you just say whatever comes to mind? Usually what you try to do
3: uh, in those moments, I, n- I never really script anything. Yep. I've heard guys do that, and I know when they're doing it. It's like, okay, <laughs> don't do that. It's a little cute. Don't script it. It's a little cutesy. Uh, but I think the big thing is to get the facts right. And then you kind of let the emotion go with it. Uh, and in the Wisconsin game with the last-minute kick, you know, everything is set up. How far is the kick? Which hash mark is it on? You know, is it good? And, and you know sitting in the press box, you guys that cover the team, you can't really tell from the side if a field goal is good or not. You've got to wait for the official. <laughs> right. And so uh, Michael Martin, who's here today, was under our <laughs> sideline guy, was under the field goal post. And if you listen to the replay, is real close. He goes, it's good. <laughs> and But then I couldn't depend on that. I had to wait for the officials to call it. Yeah. And you just kind of let your emotions go with it. And moments like that or, you know, when you, when you start getting texts from people all over the country uh, because they heard it on ESPN or they saw it replayed or whatever, uh, you know, my first thing is, okay, did I get it right? <laughs> you know, the emotion will take over itself. Right. And the moments like that. And then the Michigan State game was just – Um, You knew they they had shown an ability to come back against Michigan, for instance. But this was on the road, and they were so far down, and the way they came back. And I think Martin O'Donnell was just about to jump out of the booth uh, during the course of that game because of the emotion. And you know this, being around former players, they they are invested emotionally. Even so more than me as just a fan because they played the game.
1: No. Uh, Doug Bouchon came into the media a different kind of way, right? Like, I, I went to school and studied it. I know Isaac went to school and studied it and Brian did too. Um, Doug, you went to the military, which thank you for your service, but how did you end up in this media industry?
2: Well, you know, before I went to the military, I went to college. I yeah. majored in journalism at SIU Carbondale, and, and I just kind of fell into it. You know, when I got out of the Army, I was looking for a job the last couple of years, and um, I knew Brad Sturdy. Everybody know Brad Sturdy, our basketball guy, right? Brad's one of the best guys in the business covers basketball and I got to know him a little bit and he knew that I was uh, interested in covering the Illini and and we became friends and he kind of hired me on to do recruiting and then when the old publisher uh, um, walked away from the job we interviewed for the job and yeah. just kind of fell into it and it's been great it's been almost a decade now that we've been covering Illinois and uh, Jeremy used to be the columnist yeah. for us when I first took over and did a wonderful job as a columnist writing about Illinois and and, uh, of course, when the Scout Network at the time was looking for a publisher, they reached out to Jeremy, one, one of the most hardest-working guys in the business, and hired him, and, and they became 247. But that, that's kind of how I fell into it, and uh, it's been a great ride. It's a wonderful second career, and to be able to come out here to the Bay Area and spend some time in the Bay Area, wow, what a, what a, a great uh, job that I have. And, uh, you know, it, it, It's just a, a, a pleasure to cover the team that I grew up rooting for. My family was Illinois fans. My older brother, who's a... Uh, a, a congressman from the state of uh, indiana he he's a graduate from the university of illinois uh, back in the 80s and uh and we, we've been fans all of our life and to cover the team that you, you grew up rooting for is is really special
1: uh, well doug you and i have not covered a great decade of illinois athletics let's be honest uh w- what's this been like for you to, to cover this program and where, where do you think they are right now basketball and football
2: yeah i think they're on the rise you know i think uh, um yeah, uh, some of the areas that we covered was pretty rough, and uh, for both of both of our sites are are fan sites, yeah. right? So you, you, it's hard to know how to report on the team because because fans don't want to get on a fan side and read a bunch of negative stuff, and and, and you know you don't you don't want to put a positive spin on something uh, and when, when it's not positive and put lipstick on a pig, you know. But uh, but that's the kind of sites that we have, and and. Uh, some of those errors that we went through, some of the coaching firings and, the, and the, the scandal stuff. You know, I know this is a good time out here. We don't want to bring that stuff up so much, but uh, it's, been, it's been a crazy ride, and uh, hopefully they're on the rise. I think uh, Brett Underwood's a good basketball coach. I do. You know, I, I, they, they've had some hiccups early in the season, but uh, I think he proved himself at Stephen F. Austin and at Oklahoma State that he can turn things around, and, and uh, they're off to a little bit of a slow start, but I think they can pick it up in the Big Ten season.
1: Isaac uh, Trotter... Young guy in this industry, I always talk about uh, his youthful enthusiasm. With me, old man, thirty-two, with two kids. Um, but he, he's—you're waiting for a new job in Minnesota. But you've been on this beat and learned a lot the last couple of years. What's this been like for you covering Illinois the last couple of years? You
0: know, it's crazy because, like, when I was little, like I, I, I remember listening to Brian. And you know that <laughs> Illinois Arizona game. You know, we had that TV on watching that game on CBS. But in the background, we had Brian Barnhart on with the play-by-play because, no offense to those guys who were doing the game, Jay Billis and whatever, they just weren't <laughs> Brian Barnhart, right? And that's, that's who you listen to. So it's just so cool seeing how, how my life is kind of gone and now I was co- I'm was i covering the team that I grew up rooting for. D-Brown jerseys were in my room and everything. So it's, it's just really cool to be here and be a part of this. And yeah, I'm taking a new job up in Minnesota and I'll cover the Vikings and the Timberwolves but to have this be like the last thing that I cover and get to come out here is, is just so, so cool. And it kind of caps off what's kind of been a special football season it's hard to it's hard to say okay you only won six games you're six and six how's that a special year well what it's been like over the last few years and knowing this team and knowing the stories knowing the Bobby Roundtree story knowing how all of these guys have fought back knowing when you're two and four and you lose to Eastern Michigan to do what this team did that's a special season And, and even though the last two losses to Iowa and Northwestern happened I don't think that should take away from what this team accomplished this year. And I'm happy that they get to enjoy an, an atmosphere like this and a game like they'll get to play in on Monday.
1: Yeah, I, I want to have people to weigh in on, uh, and ask us some questions here in a little bit, what you guys want to talk about. But Brian and Doug, I'll ask you that. What, what stands out about this season? How legit do you think this is of a breakthrough for Lovey Smith?
3: Well, I, it's interesting because people at the beginning of the year would say, hey, what do you think they're going to be? And I said, well, if they can be even, 6-6, six and six, that would be, and get to a bowl, that would be an accomplishment. Well, then you get in the middle of it and you start getting greedy. You know, you're up two touchdowns on Nebraska. Well, you should win that game. You shouldn't lose to Eastern Michigan, uh, obviously. And yet the road they took to get to 6-6 six and six was, nobody saw that coming. That was special. You know, that yeah. made it special. And then when you got to 6-4, and four, you're thinking, well, let's win the last two. Let's go eight. <laughs> let's, let's go to Florida. Let's whatever. So I think it wound up and I, I told people this on the air when they when they played Northwestern the way they finished, I said, as disappointed as they were with that finish, I said you get out to the bowl game and the preparation and all that goes into it, people aren't gonna remember the game. They're gonna remember the season as a whole, the Wisconsin game, the Michigan State right. game. I've been doing interviews on WLS in Chicago and you know, over in Danville and you know, this morning even just talking about that. And those are the games that everybody brings up are those two games and that's what makes them special, I think, is how they got there. But you could see this coming. You guys cover the team all the time. But until you win a game like Wisconsin, it's just words coming from us saying, yeah, I think they're better. But until you win a game like right. that, that actually proves it in people's mind that, yes, they are better.
1: Doug, what, how sustainable is this? What can this lead to in the future? Because, I mean, bowl game, bowl win, I don't know how much it means other than feeling good going into an off season. I don't know if that means you're going to be a 10-win team as opposed to a 6-win team next year. But how, what has Smith built here? How can it sustain itself?
2: Well, you know, at Rivals, we covered just about everything from the perspective of recruiting, yep. right? So when, when they b- became bowl eligible with the win, I think it was over Michigan State, right? So after that win, the kids that we talked to really started to have a completely different attitude about Illinois. They started looking at them, especially kids, you know, in, in the St. Louis area, around the Midwest, some of the Florida. Texas. and Yeah, Florida. They did a great job in Florida. So it makes a huge difference in recruiting you You think about a bowl like the Red box bowl. no they're not playing you know they're not playing Clemson today um but uh but it, it still makes a difference. The kids that they talk to they want to play in a bowl game, they want to have a winning program have a winning season and and uh you know it makes a big difference and you know he was talking about the the Wisconsin game as a you know a, a big game. I would talk about the Michigan game because you and I were talking in in the press box Is at, it? at halftime of the Michigan game. Jeremy, Jeremy, were, were, were saying, "What happens if this ends up sixty to nothing? You know, because and it's a downward downward spiral at that point." And somehow, some way, at halftime in the locker room, somebody uh, flipped a switch at the halftime of the Michigan game, and it was a completely different team from then on. I think they started making plays on defense and turning the ball over. And Stanley Green came back and made a big difference in the defense. And then. Um, The Wisconsin game really took me back to the 80s. Uh, Brian, you probably remember Mike Bass's kick up in Madison to win that game. And very similar ending to the Wisconsin game this year and and really an historic kind of win for him. Yeah.
1: So, Isaac, you've seen some of the talent that's come in. First year you covered the team. Didn't look like a Big Ten
0: team. It's starting to look like a Big Ten team, right? Yeah, I mean, I I remember that first training camp. It was Jeff George Jr., Chase Crouch, Cam Thomas, and I think we had, what, eight or nine interceptions a day (laughs) at training camp, and we're like, oh, boy, this is going to get really ugly. Well, now as you look forward to next year, you're losing some key seniors and Dre Brown and and Reggie Corbin, Daley Harding. Those guys are not going to be easy to replace. But overall, you have eight starters coming back on your offense next year, including your starting quarterback, four offensive linemen. That's 125 combined starts there from your offensive line that's coming back next year. You have all three wide receivers and more depth coming in, you have a recruiting class that you like, you're starting to see this team close the gap. You know, before it was like, okay, are they better than Rutgers? Are they out of the Big Ten seller? Illinois is definitely out of that. Now you're starting to see them close the gap and become one of the upper echelon, maybe a middle-of-the-pack team. Illinois and Iowa this year were very comparable. And you saw what Iowa did yesterday to a a solid USC team that's loaded with four or five-star recruits. Illinois was right in that game the entire game. And I think next year you can see a team with a schedule that lines up and all these starters coming back. I mean, Lovey Smith said it. Next year is this, this special, special year, and if they have everything goes right and they can have some guys stay healthy and Brandon Peters takes that next step, there's no reason why Illinois can't win eight or nine games next year. They have the schedule. They have all the guys coming back to do that.
1: We have a mic up here. If you guys want to come up and ask questions, you're free to do so uh, so we can talk about things that you guys want to talk about. Uh, but, Brian, we're, we're, after that and rights basketball game, the fan base responded like the season's over, right? <laughs> I was like, hey, haven't we done this before? Yeah. <laughs> didn't we just do this in October of <laughs> football? Um, it's not, it's it has not been a good start for them or what we expected so far, but it's looked like a team that hasn't won consistently, right? No. That looks like, hey, they can beat Michigan. They can beat, can beat Maryland. They just didn't finish it. Um, they can play really well against Old Dominion, but then they can get beat by a probably non-NCAA tournament team, Missouri. That's playing like a young team that just hasn't consistently won yet.
3: Yeah, and it's that culture of winning. I mean, early in my career, you know, the, the with the Bill Self teams when I started and then on with the early Bruce Weber years, those teams internally expected to win games. And in the last few years, we just haven't had the guys that are experienced enough to know how to finish a game or how to win a game at a big level. You might pull an upset here and there. And so they're still kind of learning that. But I, I think Brad has the guys that he wants in place especially if he gets more of these guys to continue to come in, the Curbellos and Millers and so forth that, you know, will eventually be here, you would hope. But I don't know. For me, the Missouri game was was extremely disappointing, but it's like I, Missouri and Dion Thomas picked up on this early in the game. It's like I just think they wanted more. It was yeah. like more personal for them, for Pickett and for Jeremiah Tillman, and you guys cover all the recruiting stuff closer than I do, but, I mean, all the, the personality that went into that. It was almost, for them, a game they wanted to win more, and our guys were like, well, let's go out and we're the prettier team. Let's, yeah. let's win it, and they didn't. So I think it'd be easy to read too much into it. I think it was more the matchup and the team at the time, but the one thing I think that they've got to figure out, they have all the pieces to be a really good team. Can they get all of those guys together to click at the same point, point? and my, they're still kind of going through that, I think.
1: My big question is who's the leader? That's the other. Who, who's the player leader? And Brad, I guess, was saying it today. I was reading Derek this morning, and um, you know, he even said, "I have to lead this team," and that—that's that, a bit of a concern when you know you have a couple lead guards. That I think are capable of it, but it feels like they're both—they're all kind of sitting there, like, "Okay, who's who's going to take it? Is it—is it, is it no. me? Should I?" Trent Frazier, should he be the guy? Uh, I think they want it to be Io, but I, I just haven't seen it yet from him. Doug, Isaac, what, what do you guys think? Who, who needs to be the leader of that team, or am I overplaying that? No,
0: I, I think Trent Frazier should be that leader of this team. You're, you're talking about a junior, a guy who's played a lot of ball, and it feels like the Trent Frazier that you've seen this year on the court is so different than the one you saw as a freshman. where He wasn't scared of anybody. And In the Bragg and Wright's game, his freshman year, he drops 25, 26 points, shoots threes all over the place over Jeremiah Tillman. It has no fear. And this year in the bragging rights game, you see a guy who was tentative to shoot and, and not understanding what he needs to be. So I think right now, if you, if you see that Io's not doing it, if you see Andres Feliz has kind of had a good start but has kind of cooled off a little bit, Trent Frazier has to understand how important this season is and how important he is to this team and take over and be that guy. Because he can be that guy, and Illinois has the pieces around him that can supplement his leadership.
1: Yeah, Doug, it's like as good as Kofi Coburn is, you would have expected this team to be 11-1 and 1 or something like that because he's, he's exceeded every expectation, and, boy, is he fun to watch. But what do you think this team needs to do to get on the right path?
2: Well, you know, just so we're not all agreeing on everything up here, you know, I, I would disagree a little bit with the Trent Frazier as the leader of the team. Yeah. Uh, do, does he need to stop deferring? Yes. He needs to be aggressive on offense and look for his shot. And I think with his, um, with his size, he's only about six foot, right? Yeah. He, he has a little bit of trouble getting his shot off against a good defense and longer guards, so maybe uh, run some plays for him. But uh, as an emotional leader, good, good basketball teams are always characterized by uh, the best player is the leader on yeah. the team. That, you know Historically, you look at those great teams, and that's how it's been. And I think Io DeSumo is the best player on the basketball team. So I would assume he needs to be uh, Col- Can I disagree? He, he needs- I think it's Kofi. It's co- well, <laughs> <laughs> <You're> probably- <laughs> I, I think it's Kofi
1: at this point, but I, I agree. It's got to be a guard. Yeah, right? it's and, be a
2: guard. You know, and I, you're probably right about Kofi. Yeah. But uh, I think it doesn't have to be Io. And I, you know, I, and I think Brett Underwood's got to cultivate him a little bit more, take him aside and talk to him about the leadership qualities that he needs to have and how to share the basketball and how to – how to get guys pumped up for games. And, and uh, that was the most disappointing thing. We wrote about it. You guys wrote about it. The Missouri game was there was more fight in Missouri than there was in Illinois. And going into it, the and rights game historically, you know, <laughs> Uh, it's a game that's a special for the fans, special for the team. And and for Coach Underwood to approach it just like any other game, was. Yeah. we were a little bit miffed by that. We didn't understand where he's coming from because, uh, you know, it's a game that uh, – and, and from an NCAA tournament standpoint, it's a huge game. Yeah. You know, it, it could turn out to be a, a bad loss at the end of the year. It could be – or not. But, but uh, um, yeah, I think I would assume it needs to be more, more of the leader of the basketball team, especially since he's running the point so much.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got a bowl game in two days. Yeah. Uh, Cal, what do you think of this matchup, Brian? Uh, Justin Wilcox, former Wisconsin defense coordinator, he's been everywhere uh, yeah. as a defense coordinator. He runs a three-four defense, a little bit different than Lovey. Uh, but uh, both those guys were talking about how they were, both had mutual admiration for each other. But two defensive teams, and it's weird after the last couple of years <laughs> that we calling Illinois a defensive team. Yeah. Uh, but they certainly have gone into that with Lovey year.
3: Yeah, he's an impressive guy. I don't I mean I remember him being at Wisconsin, yeah. but I, obviously being a a coordinator, You don't get to know them as well as you do some of the, the head coaches. But he comes across really well. Of course, he's got a Hall of Fame dad, you know, that played in the NFL. But, uh, yeah, the two teams, I mean, they seem to match up really well. I mean, statistically on paper, I think the stat I've, I've used a couple of times on different interviews is Cal has allowed 30 touchdowns, uh, 15 passing, 15 rushing. They've scored 30 touchdowns, 15 each. And Illinois' numbers are almost identical off by one in one of those categories so when you look at the scores of the games how many points a game they allow uh, they play a lot of 24 17 type games Uh, so and and they're I guess their secondary is known as the takers they are very experienced in the secondary so they emphasize turnovers Illinois does of course across the board so I you know I think on paper it looks pretty even to me now you know I think it helps to have Brandon Peters back Mm -hmm. I think that makes a difference to have him back and You know, uh, I like I like the matchup. I know Cal's, I guess, a slight favorite, and they probably have more fans in general just because it's closer. But uh, I think Illinois has got just as good a chance as Cal does to win the game. I think it's pretty even.
1: Isaac uh, so Trotter showed up in the hotel room this morning, turned on some Cal film. What do yeah. you think of Cal? What do you think of the matchup?
0: <laughs> I, I'm a nerd about certain <laughs> things like that. I, it was one of those things, though, that as I, the more I watched, the more I was happy that Illinois was playing a, this Cal team compared to, like, a Washington State. Mm-hmm. Because the Washington State is just a, a, an air raid type of offense. They're getting up and down the field really quickly. This Cal team is so similar to Illinois. And you, you kind of touched on it with how evenly matched up they are and i think illinois could have a chance because cal's best safety is out and when he's out that that caused a lot of trouble for cal's defense they had two games when he was out this year and they gave up two of their worst passing defensive performances so i think illinois should have a chance it really will come down to again it's been like this all year but if illinois takes the ball away two or three times Illinois wins the game, and that's kind of how it's been all season long. If Brandon Peters is healthy, if Joshua Matabebe is back out on the outside, that changes how the Illinois offense looks. And this Cal team is beatable, but Illinois will have to go out and beat them because this team is obviously a, a one that's going to compete really, really hard. And
1: for everybody that's asking about injuries, because we get asked about it a lot, we did ask Lovey. Uh, Lovey uh, did say Brandon Peters is ready to go. Right. Uh, Bebe, we did not hear. Uh, but uh, I, I have a feeling he's got a chance to play. Jake Hansen doesn't sound all that promising, and, and Doug Kramer will be out for this game. But uh, Lovey doesn't like to share injury details no. with us. With,
3: with, we learned, uh, as we've covered uh, <laughs> Coach Smith over the years, You kind of have to read between the lines, basically, because he won't say one way or the other. Right. Which is easier said than done. Which is easier said than done. But there is kind of an art to it. Uh,
1: Doug, what does this game mean? Like, does this have a lot of meaning, whether they win or lose this game?
2: It has some meaning. Yeah. I don't know
1: about a lot of meaning, but right. it, has, it has
2: some meaning because you finish with a winning record, right? Mm-hmm. You're 7-6 if you win the game.
1: Haven't done that since 2011. <laughs> Haven't won the last game of the season since 2011. That's
2: right. And the last bowl game they won, they won with an interim head coach. So okay. uh, if, is that right? Yeah. yeah uh, Vic, so, uh, Vic Coney. Yeah, sure. It means something, you know, to come out here and, and have a good showing. And, uh, we were talking about how similar teams they are. And actually, they both took similar paths, too, if you really look at the yep. path that they streaky, took. Yep. Streaky. Streaky. Both had significant Injuries to the quarterback, which may have cost them a win or two, and I think it did cost Illinois probably against Northwestern not to yeah. have not to have their starting quarterback. That was really the biggest thing in the game, and, and the, the starting quarterback for Cal when he when he was out with an injury, they, they lost you know they lost the game that he got injured in, and then lost three straight after that. So and they also have both teams have two great middle linebackers, inside linebackers, uh, Evan uh, Weaver, yeah. right for Cal is an All-American, AP first-team All-American, leads the country in tackles. Delay Harding for Illinois is all Big Ten middle linebackers. So really similar teams in, uh, in uh, personnel and talent and, and how they got here.
1: Yeah. Kyle, you got a question, man.
2: Yeah, so I'm going to start off with the first question. Yeah. So as an Illini fan, I clearly want to continually think about the next thing, right? Yeah. Always eight, nine wins, just like what Isaac was saying a little bit earlier. But what is a realistic expectation that I should have as an Illini fan for my football team going forward? Is it six wins a year? Is it seven wins a year? What actually, like, should I expect as an Illini fan? Because I love coming to bowl games, and I would hope that that's the expectation, but I don't know what's realistic um, for this team. So, Isaac, with this one. Yeah,
0: I I think that there is no reason why Illinois shouldn't be a a perennial bowl team, right? It's not that hard to win six college football games a year. You have three non-conference, and you win, find a way to get to three Big Ten wins, right? So I think that Illinois should be a constant bowl team. But you've got to have some of those seasons, maybe one every four or five years, where you compete for a Big Ten West crown. And there's a chance in this Big Ten West where you could possibly do it. Look at what Minnesota did this year and what Illinois did to them just a, the year before. That's very similar paths. So I, I don't think it's – I just think sometimes when we have our expectations for Illinois football, after years and years of losing, we get into that mindset, and that shouldn't be the mindset because you have the talent, you have the base in Chicago, you have the base in St. Louis and Indianapolis that you should be able to get into where you can get talent and you can be able to win six games a year and you should be able to go compete for a Big Ten West crown once every five or six years. I
3: don't think anybody expects, you know, be Ohio State or be Michigan or even Penn State, just be Iowa. Michigan Michigan State. State, Michigan State. Just win. And I I can tell you growing up that I think Illinois has great football tradition, you know, with the Butkus and Grange and, you know, the Rose Bowls they've won and so forth. But it's been too much of the way up and the way down. And people, uh, during the McEvick years, it was very consistent. You won seven, eight, nine games. You were in bowl games. You would contend, as Isaac said, for a Big Ten title. And I think for Illini fans – that's just be the goal. Just win the West once in a while. Be competitive. Win seven, eight, nine, ten 10 games. Just stop this where you drop from the Rose Bowl down to two wins. That's what I think people are right. leveling off.
1: And here's the thing. The Big Ten is really difficult. Right, and, yeah. and it's only getting better with all the coaches that have been hired, whether it's Jeff Brom, and I know you don't like him, but P.J. Fleck is a heck of a coach, right? Yeah, I might right. not like his personality, but he wins football games wherever he goes. Uh, Scott Frost and Nebraska, I think they're going to get better. But the question before the season was, who are you better than? Now you have to consistently do it. That's the next step. And right. as you said, Brian, football football's had some good years, a few of them, in this Millennium, yeah, but it went right downhill. Right after back that. Down so again. Yeah. C- knowing how to win and con- continuing to win is the hardest part yeah. of building a program. And for me, Doug, like line play in the Big Ten is so important. And I, I like what they're building on the defensive line, at least long term. I like what they have. Offensive line, short term, but to me that that's why Iowa is good every year is because you know the line of scrimmage, you're going to win most of the time. Well,
2: you're reading my mind. So great minds think <laughs> great mind think like I think when you, when I think at the point where you really see that the program is turned around is when you see Illinois start landing linemen from Chicago, Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. That that's really when you know uh, when you can say you, you are Iowa, you are you're Wisconsin because if you look at those programs that win consistently. They they lock up their home state, and I think it, Illinois hasn't done a great job over the years recruiting the state of Illinois, especially you know offensive linemen. It's really a lot of good ones that come out of Chicago land. Uh, yeah. There's another one now, David David Coffin, yeah. a, yep. a 2021 kid who's recruited by everybody. Already has Alabama and Ohio State. And those are the kind of guys that you have to start landing at Illinois if you're really going to win consistently. and and uh, you can go to Texas and get skilled guys. You can go to Florida and get skilled guys because there's a lot of them down there. There's a And a, ton lot, of, and a lot of people do. They do. That's and they, they and yeah. the, there's a ton of, you know, even the three-star kids down there, you know, the second-tier kids out of those two states are, are good. And, and Illinois has always been able to, to kind of do that and get skill position players. But uh, when they start landing those big linemen out of the, uh, out of the Catholic League in Chicago yeah. and places like that, that's when they can really turn the corner. And
1: I'm, I'm glad he brought this up because – people talk about in-state recruiting and you know i don't think it's the quantity of guys that you necessarily get out of there but you got to get more of the quality guys out of there i mean look at the team now kendrick green is a monster part of this team ricky smalling goes down with an injury i think that was a big loss for this team so i i do think in-state recruiting matters it's not necessarily hey you got to land eight guys from the state but iowa comes in here and lands five of the top 25 i think
0: illinois should be doing that consistently. Well, and Minnesota came in last year in the class of 2019 and took four of your top ten in-state targets, so it is important to get those guys. I think there was a little bit of a a, a ruckus about this early signing period where Illinois didn't sign anybody from their in-state, but if you're able to get Jaden Thompson on board and you're able to get a couple of these others, then that can kind of soothe that over a little bit and then you can attack it again in the future, but if you talk about building stability, that's why this whole Lovey Smith program, that's why Josh Whitman's patience was so key to this, because you needed to have patience if you want to build stability. We talk about offensive line recruiting, how you need to n- nail those down. I think you like what you've done on the opposite side of the ball, though, defensive line wise. Austin Clark has crushed it with the, with this recruiting class. They got five defensive linemen that you really like for the future. So I think defensive line wise, you're starting to build that long term depth, where you can always have a top of the, you know, maybe not top of the Big Ten, but a, a middle tier Big Ten defensive line for the years to come, and that can keep you relevant defensively in a hurry. Well, uh, the, well the, guy,
2: the guy who taught me how to do this job, uh, Jeff, who was the publisher before me, he always said. You know, his go-to thing was you can't win in the Big Ten without an NFL defensive tackle. Right. Right? And, and you look back at Illinois teams, and it's, that's the kind of been the way it's been, right? So, uh, yeah, you have to get those guys that can – the SEC type of defensive lineman that you see on the big screen up here today, the guys that can move, the guys that can sack the quarterback. And uh, those are the kinds of guys they got to start landing out of St. Louis. There's some really good ones out of, out of there. So.
1: so going into next year, what's your biggest reason they don't Illinois will take a step forward and your biggest concern? Right.
3: Well, I think the biggest reason why I think is because of the based on the schedule early. Yeah. I mean, they've got a bunch of games in a row they can, they can build on.
1: A 5-1 and one start is not that ridiculous. Yeah, right. <laughs> I
3: mean, so they're already one away from full eligibility right there. So <laughs> I would think the, um, the biggest concern is, you know, on the defensive line, replacing these guys that they're going to lose, you know, replacing a Dele Harding. And, of course, Dele was just kind of a backup that rose to the top of the class, so you've got to find somebody else like that. Uh, and just continue to use the portal to your advantage, find the Brandon Peters, find the Bebe, guys that can help you, uh, and then you know come across a Donnie Navarro again that nobody saw coming. Those are the kind of things that have to happen at Illinois, I think, on a consistent basis. So as long as you can build on the recruits that you guys are talking about, use the portal correctly, and fill in some of these gaps, I think you can make it work. My concern is if you don't do it, one or right. two of those, then you're going to slide back again, and you're going to be out of bowl contention. But I think the schedule gives you every reason to be optimistic about next year.
1: Yeah, I, I think defensive line is my biggest concern. Jamal Milan, you're talking about, I don't know if he's a, a long-term NFL guy, but I think he's really good. Um, Tamir Oliver, you lose, and you didn't have a sack over the last three games. Right? Pass rush has is, is really struggled, so I agree that that's my uh, biggest concern. Doug, do you think offensively? This group takes a step forward with just health next it,
2: year. If everyone stays healthy, this, this is an offense. You, you know, you don't realize until you start writing down the names, right, and start looking at the roster. But uh, it's an offense if everyone stays healthy. They can score a lot of points. You know, the wide receiver core with uh, uh, Bebe and a, a Travion, if he's healthy, and and uh, and Ricky Smalling, if he's healthy, and the running back core is good. They're bringing in they're bringing in Reggie Love. And if you don't follow recruiting, Reggie Love is a name to remember because he was recruited by everybody. Penn State offer, I think was his probably uh, biggest one other than Illinois, but a whole bunch of offers and really a special kid out of St. Louis. I think he's going to play right away next year. You know, he's going to step in and, and be a, a really good back for him. Offense can put up a lot of points, and the questions are on defense. Brian talked about some of the guys are missing, and you talked about Milan, but don't forget about Stanley Green because St- Stanley Green actually, to me, is nearly the MVP of the defense because he sets the tone for the defense with his that aggressive style of play, the way he comes up from the secondary and, and, and uh, puts some big hits on and really it sets the tone for him and uh, made a huge difference when he came back from injury. Yeah, and
0: I think another thing is can Illinois get as many takeaways again next yeah. year? So the turnover fairy, the fumble fairy that we always talk about, they got pretty lucky with some of those this year. It's kind of so, like
1: the Bears last year, right, a to this bit. year.
0: And also, winning's hard. And, and if Illinois hasn't done it, and this program hasn't done it for a long time, so I think you can talk about the schedule next year, and, and it is shaping up where you can't have a really good year. But winning is hard, and those takeaways were so huge. I mean, think about what Illinois doesn't beat Wisconsin without right. those two late takeaways. The Tony Adams interception, the, the, the forced fumble by right. Jake Hansen was huge. Illinois doesn't win against Michigan State without the pick six by Sidney Brown and another fumble that they had late. So I, I just think that there's multiple things here. I think the, the roster looks good. The roster is a, a very solid product but winning's hard and take if those takeaways don't come and you yeah. you only get maybe you only get 16 takeaways next year instead of 25 that difference in 9 takeaways is huge yep. it's really really huge
1: well they took the first step in getting to consistent winner with making a bowl game this year and we're here in San Francisco enjoying it because of it. Yeah. So a successful season for Illinois football, and could be a little bit more successful more sweeter if they get the uh, Red Box Bowl victory on Monday. Uh, appreciate your guys' time. Kyle, thanks for having us out here. Hopefully we provided yeah. a little bit of insight. Uh, but appreciate you guys. Have fun at the game on Monday, assuming you are, and don't have too much fun the next couple of days here in San Fran. Appreciate you guys. Yeah. All right, hope you enjoyed that from the uh, San Francisco Bay Area Illini Club event. Again, thanks to Kyle for all of that. Isaac Trotter, you're leaving me after this. Uh, it's, it's been cool, man, to, to hang out this whole entire time, and I know we got a couple more days, but it's been awesome, and hopefully uh, you get to enjoy this trip, man. It's been pretty cool. Um, yes, we've, we've gone out a couple nights, got to watch Ohio State Clemson, which was a f- fantastic game. The Oracle Park Tour was uh, really, really cool. Uh, it's been a cool experience sharing it with you, man.
0: Yeah, I, I can't think of a better way to end this. I, I thought it was pretty appropriate that we were at the Oracle today together, because like that's just two baseball nerds just nerding out for an hour and a half just talking baseball. It's It's been a blast. I could not have made this any better. Like, for this to be like the last hurrah is awesome. And I get to spend it with you, who's one of my best friends. I get to spend it with Joey Wagner, Scott Ritchie, Gavin Good, all the people from the DI, like Shannon Ryan's been here. Like, that, it's just perfect. It's been, it's been really, really nice. And I'm going to miss this atmosphere, this environment, these fans, and this job, for sure. Uh,
1: I, I want two little nuggets to leave people with that I have to tease you with. I can't yeah. give you every detail. Uh, one, um, Illinois football staffer bought us drinks, which is really nice. We appreciate him doing that for us. Uh, And two, uh, there's a member of the Illinois football team, a prominent member of the Illinois football team, whose brother is, and I'm not afraid to say this, one of the most attractive men I've ever met. So, I'm leaving the podcast that way. What do you
0: think <laughs> Am I allowed to tease it at all? Like, literally, though, the thing is, is like this brother is literally, like, put him on a, put him on a magazine, and this is not in a weird way at all, but literally put him on a magazine. It, it's like flawless. It's like flawless.
1: Yeah. Oh, it was a good time. He's a, he's a good dude, too. It was nice meeting him. He came, for, he came a long way away. Can we, I'll say can that we, we drop the names? Or should we just have him guess? He just came a long way away. I think you can get it from there. He did. I've got to meet the McCourt's parents as well, and yes. they are um, they are really excited that Illinois football is going to Dublin. I, it's just a
0: shame that James isn't going to be able to play in that I game. I think he should be able to find a way to get one more year of eligibility. Yeah. <laughs> just Somehow, one just Somehow. one more. Yeah. Well, also, Dre Brown's mom continues to be one of the nicest women around this Illinois football team. Yeah. She is a treasure.
1: Well, that's one of the cool parts of coming to this is you get to see, and I, I get to see, we get to see a lot of the Illini families during games and practices. They'll come out, but to see them all here and to get to celebrate it with their sons, um, that's really cool. And all the people around it, We saw Fred Wakefield, and his entire family here. Uh, Tim Knox has all his his kids. <laughs> he was dad of the dad. year, Dad of the year. He got his gave his wife the day off the other day. But it's been really cool seeing all that.
0: Yeah, because I think sometimes it's easy to forget how much this game and this team matters to those parents because they live and die with the plays just like their kids do, and, and maybe more so than fans. It. Well, maybe they even take it more seriously than than most, even the diehard fans. Like this is their kid on the line. So I, I think that it's it's really enjoyable to see them. I, I I, I think of a guy like bobby walker 's dad who's been around this program for a long time and has always stayed so supportive and he gets to experience this with, with Bobby and 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 now his son's on scholarship, which is huge so I, I, that that just that little thing and just seeing how they they interact and seeing how all of these fans i mean caleb Griffin's family's out here everybody's family's out here and, and they came a long way for this and they 're enjoying it it 's good for them, and it 's good for this program because you can say oh it 's just the red box bowl no. When you haven't been to a bowl game in a long time, when you haven't had much positivity around your pro- program for four or five years, this matters more.
1: Uh, like, I think Josh Whitman wrote an open letter to fans. It was a little shorter this time, but it was basically like, hey, we, we haven't arrived yet. Like this isn't the, the end destination, but maybe it's the end of the beginning. He quoted Churchill saying that, which is so of Josh Whitman. Um, but, yeah, you celebrate the milestones. And while this isn't the ultimate milestone of Illinois football, eventually you would have it to be a Big Ten West Championship, an Outback Bowl, right? Or, you know, eventually maybe a Big Ten Championship. Like, that's way down the line. Ohio State's at a different level. But those are the next check marks, a 10-win season, things like that. But you need to take steps to be able to get there. Let's and this, this was a needed step for Illinois.
2: Yeah, let's do this.
0: Red Box Bowl this year. Nashville for the Music City Bowl next year when you win eight or nine games I'll come down from Minnesota for that just to hang out with you I don't probably you probably won't want me to write anything but I'll just hang out and it, it'll be great and then the year after that let's have a New Year's Day Bowl yeah. fair yeah. good with that
1: yeah maybe a Big Ten West Championship playing in Indy
0: yeah I think next year's team though thing. might have a better chance to do a New Year's Day Bowl yeah. than 2021 we'll see but it's nice to be able to talk about that and
1: think about that right and getting to the Red Box Bowl helps you have hope that that is here in the future. Because mid-October, we definitely were not thinking that. (laughs) Remember the
0: vibe at halftime against Michigan?
1: Uh, Do you Uh, remember that? Like, we're sitting there going like, okay, is this it? Should we get ready for
0: a firing on Monday?
1: I I got my hot list ready that week, right? But then they came back and it was like, okay, maybe hold off. Maybe They showed some fight. And then the next week happened. James McCourt happened, and even it awesome. like,
0: even think about like I think about the Monday after the Eastern Michigan game when we came into the press conference for the, for our Monday press conferences, and I turned to I think it was Scott Beatty from the News Gazette, and I go, "Why are we even here? <laughs> right? Like why, it's two and one. You lost that game. Like like this is the beginning of the end. I thought Nebraska and Michigan and Wisconsin just trounced you in Illinois to be two and seven in a her- heartbeat. And, and kudos kudos to the staff,
1: kudos to the players, most of all for. Yeah fighting through it. Right? That's, that's just unbelievable. Yeah. It's just unbelievable.
0: And that's why they're here, So,
1: and that's why we're here. So kudos to them uh, for accomplishing that. All right, we'll have a podcast after the Red Box Bowl, then we're hopping on a red-eye to get home. And, boy, then we got to talk about Illinois basketball uh, and going into the Big Ten site starting off with some really, really tough games. Uh, but thanks for listening. Thanks for reading all our coverage from here. We're trying to work hard for you to give as much uh, insight as possible from San Francisco. Uh, the next time we'll talk to you, we'll be in Santa Clara recapping the Red Box Bowl. Thanks, Isaac. It's one of our last ones. Got a tear going down there. All right. Uh, We'll talk to you next time on the Ilana Enquirer podcast.